Hey there, it's Bob Waugh. Welcome to another WRNR podcast. Beck is back in our area for a show at Meriwether Post Pavilion in a couple of weeks, and he's got a new album scheduled for release this fall. The last time Beck was in town, I sat down with him at the Anthem in Washington, D.C. 1031 WRNR, I'm Bob Waugh, and I am backstage at the Anthem in Washington, D.C. with Beck. Hello. Hi. Last night, you know, it was one part dance party, but also one part the other side of what you do so beautifully, a la yeah. morning phase. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I noticed, like, mm-hmm. when you played Lost Cause last night, mm-hmm. you kind of took it down a step, and it was and it was great. But the crowd was so attentive, and there, mm-hmm. there seemed to be a lack of cell phones during that moment. Did you happen to pick up on that at all? I, I didn't. I see the phones come out at different times. Uh, but I can't really track with it. But uh, you know, it's always nice when there's when people take a break to just take in what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, first time for you in this new venue, the mm-hmm. Anthem, and in, in Washington. Yeah, this is the first time. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? I like it. It's an interesting room. It, it reminds me of uh, a room in Chicago, but it's a uh, slightly different. You know, there's, it's sort of modern and. And, uh, but it has elements of old and older theater at the same time. So, you know, it's most of the venues that modern musicians play in were built for music from a completely different era. So we've spent our careers in a sort of misappropriated environment. So being in a newer venue sometimes is a, it's a, it's a welcome change, you know. If I were to ask you, all these years on the road, do you have a short list of favorite venues around the world that you'd like to play? I, you know, for me, it's not about the venue, it's about the audience. You know, I could really, you know, if it's a great audience, it doesn't matter for playing in a loading dock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, I like them all. I mean, uh, there, there are some that are, you know, there, there are certain ones that I really enjoy as an audience member as well. I mean, Red Rocks is very picturesque. I don't know if it's the easiest venue to play because you're you're at the bottom of an audience, mm-hmm. and then as well you uh, have the intense elements of weather, rain, and wind, and which <laughs> right. sometimes adds a little bit to the to the energy. Sometimes you can capture magic in a bottle at Red Rocks the way you yeah. two did with that live record. Um, but I, I would yeah. imagine being out in the elements could be a little... Yeah, it's, you know, it's something, uh, it adds a whole other element to, you know, it's just trying to hear yourself and get through. But, uh, you know, places like the Gorge or Red Rocks where there's this sense of nature, some of the festivals, uh, there's a great festival in... The UK called Festival Number Six that I that I love that the setting of that festival is completely unique. We're speaking with Beck backstage at the Anthem in DC. I'm Bob Waugh on WRNR. Uh, I know one show that might have stuck out in your mind here in the DC area was the HF Festival. Mm. I was working at WHFS at the time, and that was 1997. That time was a bit of a blur. It was just so... We, we were playing so many shows, traveling so much. The first half of 97, 
I think I'd been to Europe six times, <laughs> you know, as well as Japan and you know America. So it was it was a lot of it was a lot of uh, movement happening. You know, as long as we're here in D.C., I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, as a, a lot of artists who have released new records, let's say, since the last presidential election, um, Colin Malloy and the Decemberists were here at this venue a week ago tonight, and one of the songs oh, they yeah. played, which is on their new record, is called Everything is Awful. Uh -huh. And um, I, I read something, you know, while you were making colors, and I was just curious because you historically have not been mm -hmm. terribly political in mm -hmm. your music, but I read somewhere that uh, you started working on this record, there was perhaps a, a darker version mm -hmm. of what finally came out, is that true? Well, yeah, I mean my default is kind of, uh, I mean I would characterize it as multi-layered or, uh, you know, provoking or uh, darker imagery, darker humor, you know, a sort of a more of a world weariness uh, that's a kind of default place for me. And so what I what I set out to do at the beginning of the record was come out with something very really positive, something that was um, one of those kind of records that transcends age groups and can be something that, that small children would love as well as adults and you know that that's a kind of category of record that I, I think of probably the best example would be thriller you know uh -huh. so that's kind of what I was setting out to do uh, so anything that was kind of a little more just too much of a, uh, a downer I just we got rid of I, I read which was probably about ninety percent of what I came up with. So, <laughs> you know, it's not. Uh -huh. it, it was all. It was constant conversation with uh, with the producer who I worked with and collaborated with. Greg Kirsten. Yeah, which was is that too dark? Are you saying? Yeah, it's a little too dark. That's a little too. Yeah, that's not really fun. You know, and so it, it was like a. Uh, it was a challenge. You know, it was like a, a kind of discipline. You know. It's just something I, I felt like was a weakness in some of my songwriting, and um, it's something I wanted to explore as something uplifting. Uh, it's a much harder thing to do. Um, hmm. But if you look at us as a culture, those are the songs that we ultimately come back to, you know, the, the, the songs that um, mm. are those uplifting kind of songs. There's a song that I've been drawn to on, on the new album, Colors, it's called Square One, and mm -hmm. the lyric goes, it's a place we've been before, knocking on Purgatory's door, to find a place in the sun, a chameleon changing colors on demand, because mm -hmm. this is life and it's all right, you'll be fine if you keep your eyes on the consolation prize when you lower your expectations. Yeah. So, this resonated with me on a number of levels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in a way, I kind of got away with that record being a sort of bittersweet sentiment like that because the song, the, the music was so, <laughs> so unadulteratedly positive and Joyous. upbeat. Upbeat, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but you know, I, gen I generally feel that way. I feel like, uh, that's the sort of dance of adulthood, you know, it's trying to, <laughs> trying to
trying to ride that the, the, the wave of where circumstances have taken us, you know, <laughs> and and what we make out of it. The crowd last night really seemed to respond so well to the, you know the new songs on the album that they've lived with for quite some time now. I mean, yeah. Dreams uh, came out initially. Was it three years ago? <laughs> I did not realize that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so three years ago, and. Yeah. This record was supposed to come out in 2016, and uh, for different reasons, I was just working nonstop, and I was doing a lot of collaborations, and the Grammys, after the Grammys, all these festivals wanted us, so the tour got much more extended, and uh, I felt that the record we made, it needed, it needed a few other terrible analogy a few more shades a few more elements to, to round it out because the record we originally made was much more kind of a dance record like somewhere between Daft Punk and Pharrell and LCD sound system that kind of thing and it just felt like after morning phase I just wanted something about it to transition a little better so so we spent an extra year or so like working on the mixes and kind of rewriting things. It was confusing for people because it was like the first song came out two years before the record. Uh, and, but you know, it's, there's, I guess at a certain point, you know, you want to get it right and there's no rules. So, you know. Right. And you, um, you at times have been uh, a meticulous artist that uh, the, the weight has always I, been worth it though, I'm, so. sometimes I'm not meticulous something sometimes I really like to uh, force myself to be a little bit more first thought best thought go with the energy leave the rough vocal in you know don't don't polish it up too much and uh, but that wasn't the ethos of this record this record was like I want to crystallize something you know and uh, ultimately you learn at the end and that you it's impossible you can't <laughs> you can't crystallize it because the light is always refracting in a different way. It's a, it's a different. Uh, it's it's a moving target. So um, that's why you make more records. That's why you you go to the next one. It's a it's a process of trying to get something right. One zero three one R N R. We're with back backstage at the Anthem on Babwa. Uh, I want to thank you so much for for taking some time out with yeah, us. Yeah, it's good talking to you. Um, well, thank you. And uh, I, I, it, this might sound like my brain works in kind of a weird way, but I want to uh, tell you, I was thinking about you last week when I read the uh -huh. story about the Queen of England. Okay. And here's <laughs> why. Because her we last... Queen, we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> her, her last corgi died. And, oh, you know, So Queen yeah. Elizabeth has had corgis, yeah, corgis, like 30 corgis for 80 years, and yeah. the last one in the line passed away. Willow, she was 14. Okay. So we uh, we lament the passing of Willow, but that yeah. ma made me think about the band, the Cordies. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and well, they covered me... for uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Right. And that yeah. awesome song called "Everybody's Got to Learn Sometime." Yeah. And I just thought to myself, I, I want to ask Beck about. Mm. How that happened? Because that was a fairly obscure song yeah. until. So the director was a uh, this uh, director named Michelle Gondry, uh -huh. who's a brilliant director. He's just a French uh, original, just um, sort of a volcano of ideas and originality. He's really well known for uh, all the videos he did with Bjork and the White Stripes and. 
um, just incredibly inventive. And uh, he was an old friend of mine. We did a video together uh, 22 years ago and uh, always stayed friends. And uh, he had asked me to uh, do the song. Uh, and he chose the song. It was, the song had a particular significance for him. Mm -hmm. And so it was a collaboration with John Bryan, who did the score, and John Bryan is another musical, mm -hmm. inventive genius. Yeah. He was uh, very well known in Los Angeles. He does a, a weekly show where he improvises the entire show. Yeah. And he worked with Amy Mann a lot, right? He worked with Amy Mann and uh, Kanye West, right. Fiona Apple. He's okay. pretty yeah. well known for that right, first, right, right. first two Fiona Apple records. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was that that whole thing came about about with uh, these were just friends of mine, you know, and uh, he they were making this movie together, and uh, and uh, those the one of the calls you want to get, you know, to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah. And it was a really special film, and uh, so. Um, yeah, so that, I guess we have to play that one tonight. I should play it. Wow, yeah. that, that would be a great addition to the set list. Um, I mention it only because when I first started in radio, I played that Corgi's record as a new release. So, oh, really? Yeah, wow. so, and, you okay. know, but uh, that was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, Beck, thanks so much yeah. for uh, spending some time with us. We're going to go out, and I, I want to um, play something that is not yours directly, but something that you created. Mm. Uh, because I think that you just have brought such new life to um, that U2 song, Lights of Home. Oh, did you, uh, did that come out? Yeah, yeah it okay, came great, out yeah. on Record Store Day. Okay, great, good, good. And so I... I didn't I, even know.
103.1 WRNR. I'm Bob Waugh, and I am backstage at the Anthem in Washington, D.C. with Beck. That's what I did for my Christmas vacation. <laughs> I did that remix for two weeks. <laughs> uh, but it was great because I, I had toured with you 2 last year for yeah. the uh, Joshua Tree tour, and I spent a lot of time with them, and, and so it was a, uh, you know, watching them play every night, mm -hmm. you know, these sort of um, get this really interesting perspective when you're on the road with somebody and then so that was a nice uh, way to sort of round out that experience of touring with them and doing this this remix for them and as a fan you kind of get to reimagine like what would I what would I make it sound like you know yeah sort of like when you're a kid or something you know you know like I would have changed the end of the movie or whatever it is right you know? right so uh, they indulged me and let me uh, I really uh, <laughs> completely took a lot of liberties with the, with the song. And what I love about it is that, you know, I A-B'd the album version and, and the remix, you know, a couple oh, yeah. of times. Oh, cool. yeah. It's just so obvious that your trademark sort of influences it, it just come to life on that record. And oh, uh, so just love that. And I wanna, Thank you. Yeah. wanted to go out and play that and share that with everybody as well. Yeah, that definitely felt like, you know, I, when you do something like that, I worked as hard on that as, a, one of my, as if it was my own song. I'm producing with uh, some, some songs for Jenny Lewis right now. Mm -hmm. I've been living with these songs for three months, and, and uh, one of my favorite things is to collaborate with another artist and help them with their, what they're trying to get to, and then just throw in some of my ideas into their thing. The, the producing thing is uh, as fulfilling to me as making my own. Uh, records. In some ways, it's richer because you have that interaction and that mm -hmm. sort of intimacy with another artist. And getting to share that thing with them is a, it's a little bit touchy feely, but uh, it really is like a, it's emotional for me. Like a, a lot of trust go, involved. Yeah, and getting to go into their world and take this raw idea of a song and, and kind of uh, take it somewhere. It even surprises them maybe and. Mm -hmm. and it's what I love about collaborating with other people on my own records, you know, working with Greg Kirsten uh, or the Dust Brothers, you know, that little element of like, whoa, I didn't know it was going to go that way. That's great, you know. Yeah. That's, That's the role of a great producer, I guess. And I'm going to yeah. assume that you've probably known Greg for a long time, long before he's become one of the most in demand. Yeah, it was producers. funny to me that people were kind of saying, oh, you're kind of trying to get the Adelphi. Because I was, we were in the studio yeah. together when he got the call about that his song was going to be on the Adele record. Like, I was with him when he got the text, and yeah. we were talking, yeah. you know, celebrating, and, because uh, that was a big deal. You know, artists like Rihanna, Adele, they get hundreds and hundreds of songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have the pick of just vast amounts of songs, and, and they're able to pick, you know, sort of the... So for him to get on there was, like, quite a feat, you know? So talented. So talented. And an old friend. So. Yeah. Yeah, we go way back. He toured with me all through Sea Change. And when we were playing together, I said, this guy is... I found the guy. I mean, he's... <laughs> I have a kind of... I have family of musicians I've been playing with on and off for 20, 25 years, mm -hmm. you know. And so we're sort of like an extended family. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing for me. It's like... A, I think, you know, a lot of solo artists have their version of that, I guess. Tom Petty had that with, with his band. Mm -hmm. um, I just did a, a, a charity thing with Neil Young the other night and the Heartbreakers. I saw that. Yeah. And, and Neil has different families of 
his band. I've toured with him when he's got part of one band and part of you know some of the Crazy Horse guys mm -hmm. with some of the another band that he had in the eighties. And you know, mm -hmm. it is a thing that makes the makes all this more rich. You know? Well, congratulations and thank you for uh, giving us such a, a brilliant new album. It, it is astounding, yeah. I think, uh, and I mean this in the most respectful way the quality of work that you have maintained over 25 years you know it was 25 years ago last month i think on bongload records we got this song called loser loser yeah yeah it was 25 <laughs> i meant to mark that anniversary and i just the things i'm so busy yeah. <laughs> i can't keep track of the the dates you know yeah uh, there's just too much going on still which i guess is a good thing but um it is good to pause and Kind of look back at those milestones because it's it goes fast you know I would, that's one thing i would say to young bands is like it's just <laughs> you know just take it in and uh you know it's it goes goes quick we're with back backstage at the anthem in dc on bob Wah on wrnr and i thought we'd go out with one last song from the album and i'm just gonna say slide whistle and i think you'll know which one it is oh yeah wow it's right now Took a lot of your time, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, sure, um, no problem. So nice, so nice. 
Okay, so that's our podcast for this week. Get more exclusive content from the RN Archives on demand at WRNR.com. I'm Bob Waugh. Thanks for listening.